Well, hey, welcome everybody to this month's episode of the Made to Win podcast, and we are doing something completely different. We are actually recording in front of a live audience, so audience, make some noise. Yeah. So we're actually doing what's called our Create Conference. It's something we started, I think, two years ago. Maybe it was last year. I don't know, but something to kind of pour into and invest in our creative ministry teams and uh, also kind of set culture and things like that. And so we had a special guest in this weekend, and we wanted to do something kind of creative uh, within the Create Conference, and that was do a live podcast with uh, the Create Conference attendees here and have a conversation centered around worship. Um, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I want to introduce our guest for those that are listening online right now or maybe watching on YouTube. Um, but I want to introduce Mr. Wade Joy, man. I, yeah, yeah, let's make some noise. Um, I'll let him share some stuff in just a moment. But it's been cool because I tell, I tell him the, the story of how we, like, uh, first – kind of encountered Wade was kind of funny. He doesn't remember it, but um, when we before we started the church, we were like, I don't know, it might have been like eight months before we launched the church. It was a team of about 15 of us. Uh, Andy was with us and Stephanie, his wife, Stephanie. And we were going to a conference in South Carolina. It was on a Thursday. And we thought, hey, while we're there, let's just spend the weekend in Charlotte because we had just heard about, we really had just kind of started hearing about Elevation. This was 2011. And we had kind of like just really fell in love with watching them online and their worship and all that kind of stuff. We actually watched a video of Give Me Faith that they did. Um, was that in Matthew's campus? Is that where that was yeah, at? Yeah, Matthew's. Yeah. And uh, I, I actually watched it this, again this morning just to get re-inspired. And I was like, I think that's in Ma Matthew's campus. But um, and so we were like, man, one day our worship is going to look like that. And it was cool because at the time we only had like three people in the band, but we knew like our worship was going to be a vital part of who we were as a, as a church. And so we drove down there and, uh, we went to the conference. We had emailed randomly to say, Hey, if anybody is available to meet with our staff, we would love to ask a few questions, yada, yada, yada. And they actually emailed back. And so we were super pumped. We were like, hey, we're going to meet with this guy named John Bishop and uh, Joel Delph. And so we got down there and we drove up. It was, I think it was a Friday afternoon. The staff was normally off on Fridays, but they were launching two campuses that weekend. And so they were busy, like loading trucks and things like that. And we're what we just got out of this van. I think we borrowed another church's van. So, I mean, it kind of looked weird anyway. It's like, oh, here's that church. You know, they just pulled up. We get out and here comes Wade Joy. You know, we had been, we had seen this, we, this is the Wade Joy on YouTube, right? Or online. And, uh, he, I think he's coming out with his kids, if I remember correctly. Uh, cause Andy remembers and we're like, that's what, and we're all like, we're looking at what he sees us all staring at him and like whispering, like, it's Wade Joy, it's Wade Joy. And he's like, I think we're about to get mugged. I, th I think we're about to get robbed. So we're like, Hey man, you know, we just kind of randomly said hello. But that was that was the start of a beautiful relationship. Were you thinking he's like, way shorter in person? Than, that's I wasn't what I get. I wasn't going to say that, Wade. But um, but yeah. So, anyways, over the years, of course, we met Pastor Joel Delph that 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 day, and we just became really good friends. And him and Stephen Webb are both overseers of our church, and that's how we kind of got connected with Wade. But Wade, I would love for you to kind of introduce yourself to our audience uh, that's listening today and watching today, and just kind of give us a brief overview of you, your family, and how you ended up in ministry, Elevation Church, all that kind of stuff. So, 
Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me here at church this weekend and on the podcast. And I'm really grateful that uh, you had a good interaction with me back then because it would be a way different story. Wade was so mean and so rude. Um, but no, it's uh, I love hearing stories like that because that was always the heart of the church and Pastor Stephen's heart is to be welcoming to to anybody who is trying to advance the kingdom of God yeah. and their community through their church. But yeah, I served as the worship pastor at Elevation Church for almost 15 years. So started um, in the summer of 2007, myself and uh, another guy named Chris Brown, another guy, Mac Brock. We all came up from Columbia, South Carolina, where we were all living at the time to help start the worship ministry about a year into Elevation, and I served as the worship pastor that whole journey uh, for 15 years until this past December, where my wife and I felt like God was leading us to take a step uh, of faith. We thought we were going to be at Elevation forever, and then over the last year, the Lord really began to stir something us, st- stir something up in us to take what we've learned there, both in ministry, but also in our heart and in our soul and how to do ministry in a healthy way, yeah. and, and go and, and share that with other churches and other ministries. So um, I mentioned my wife, but I've been married for almost 17 years Mm -hmm. to Ferris Joy. She's the love of my life. And I have three beautiful uh, girls, uh, twins who are 13. And so I'm having to just learn how to parent two teenage girls at the same time. So the word count in our house is extremely high right now. (laughs) I also have a young, uh, my youngest daughter is nine. And so I'm learning the art of how to pretend to understand three simultaneous conversations at the same time. Yeah. So pray for me there. (laughs) Well, I've got, my oldest is about to start driving next month. So we'll just pray for each other. You know, lots of prayers. Um, Also with us today, I'm really pumped because I wanted, um, since we're talking about this idea of worship and, uh, and what, how it attains to our, or how it pertains to our personal walk with Christ uh, we have some members of our very own Generation Worship, so let's make them feel welcome uh, today on the couch. Um, excited to have them up here, too. We got Tyler Gilman. Uh, we got Mr. Doug Johnson. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Andy Biggs. And then Miss Chloe Goss. So excited to have you guys. Well, I wanted to uh, dive into this conversation uh, because you you actually taught some of our leaders last night, and then you even went a different direction with it today, which I thought was powerful because last night was really good. And, uh, for you to even add more to it today was, was so powerful, but, um, it's this idea. I love this statement. Uh, and I want to, I want to read this cause I don't want to misquote it. If we aren't careful, the very thing that was created for the purpose of ministry can become the idol that poisons the ministry. Uh, give us a little context. I know you shared the scripture in Second Kings uh, 18. Give us some context to that. And you said, like, God has been really dealing with you on this for basically the last two years. Uh, so give us some context to the scripture, what the scripture is saying, and uh, kind of like where it led you into this conversation. Yeah, so it was this passage that I came across just going through my um, just morning Bible time. And it talks about how King Hezekiah goes in and he begins to tear down the high places and the altars. And it makes a statement that I just glossed over every other time I'd read this passage. And it said he he smashed the bronze serpent that Moses had made because up until that time, the Israelites had burned incense to it. And it finally clicked for me that here was the same bronze serpent that Moses 
had made because the Lord instructed him to make it back in Numbers when the Israelites had grumbled against the Lord and he had sent a judgment of this plague of serpents that were biting the Israelites and um, Moses interceded on their behalf and God said, make this bronze serpent, hold it up and all the Israelites that look to it will be saved and healed which I always like to point out is ultimately what we see with Christ when he was raised up on the cross and all who look to him are, are saved. So Moses did that, and you have this bronze serpent that was this instrument of worship. It was this beautiful thing that God had instructed Moses to make to turn people's hearts towards the Lord again. And somehow over the course of the history of the Israelite people, they had begun to worship the very thing that was supposed to be an instrument of worship unto Yahweh. And it just got me thinking, what things has God given me as a tool to worship him in my life, in my ministry, in my church, that I'm now holding and handling incorrectly and have become an object of worship or an idol in my own life? So that started me down a journey of just going deep into my heart, trying to say, what are some good things that because I'm not, I always talk about it like you're in a car and a good thing should be in the car. Like my daughter, Sydney, she's nine. She should be in the car with me when we're going on a daddy date, which we love to do. Um, and those are some of my favorite times. It would be very different if she was driving the car mm. and I was in the passenger seat. That would yeah. not end well. Yeah. So I still want Sydney in the car. I just need to make sure the right person is driving. So good. And so there are many gifts that God has given us that when handled correctly are beautiful, life-giving things. Hmm. But we've just allowed them to drive in our hearts. And when that happens, it leads to frustration. It leads to discontent. It leads to striving instead of surrender. It leads to a lot of destructive heart patterns that I saw play out in my own life. Hmm. And I'm trying to learn in this season how to handle and hold things that God has given me in a very open-handed posture Yeah, and help others do the same. That's so good. You know, I think the statement that I, I kind of wrote down in that uh, when I started thinking about things is like sometimes we turn our good things into our God things, right? Like what are the things that are necessarily, they are gifts from God, but they become the end goal. Like I think I even think about worship sometimes um, because we live in such a saturated culture where, where music's a big deal, um, and especially like, and I, I'm sure you'll speak to this in just a few moments, but you know, you guys created something that was so powerful. I think one of the things you said that pastor Steven said to Chris was like, Hey, instead of moving to Nashville, make Nashville come write songs for the church, make Nashville come to you. But even in that journey, like how do you prevent that from becoming the ultimate goal in life? You know what I mean? Where sometimes our spiritual things become like the thing that we worship. Instead of like, this is my means to get to God. This is my way to connect with God. It becomes my God. Um, you know, I always tell the story of like even the, the first few years of this church, you know, where it was like I fell into such a trap of identifying my worth, identifying um, whether or not God was with us based off of results, right? Instead of my relationship with Christ, instead of my soul health, it really became the thing that we set out to reach people for the kingdom of God became our kingdom. Um, and I think when we get into that situation, I'm grateful. Like we read about Hezekiah, like breaking apart this bronze serpent, right? 
But like, let's talk about some of the things that God has had to like shatter in your own life to get you back to like the original intent. Like, I don't know if you have some things that along your journey of 15 years of being a part of something that's honestly pretty incredible to watch from the outside in, but I'm sure there's probably some things God's had to shatter in your life. Yeah. <clears throat> I think for me, the main process has been realizing all the different ways I've tried to define myself or to find my identity apart from the Lord. And so I think God in his grace has sometimes had to shatter things for me. Um, because I wasn't willing to lay it down myself. And that was a gift of grace and mercy on his part. Um, and then there have been times where I've been able to release it on my own. And that's another type of, of challenge. Mm -hmm. But for me growing up, I led worship since I was in high school. And always, I mean, for the most part, except for like a few years where I wanted to make it as like a CCM star. I wanted to be like the next Stephen Curtis Chapman back in the day. Um, another Saddle short up your horses. Go. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> another short blonde man. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, uh, I, I really wanted to lead worship. And so I, I led worship at a Methodist church in South Carolina for about three years. And then I got this amazing opportunity to be a part of elevation church and, um, help steward and lead elevation worship. And for the first season of that, I got to do it alongside some of my closest friends and I was seeing God move and people get saved and baptized. And I was getting to lead worship and I was getting to write songs and I was getting to, to sing on albums, all these things I dreamed about. And I didn't realize it at the time, but under the surface, I began to think the thing that I dreamed about was my purpose and not realizing that um, when you let a dream define you, it always ends up destroying you. So if you, if you get your dream and it defines you, then you feel like you have to protect it and you're holding on yeah. to it. And if anything threatens it, it, it ruins your peace. Or if you never get your dream, then you feel devastated. Mm. But dreams come from God, and they're meant to to stir us to action, to do amazing things for the kingdom. Just once again, like the bronze serpent, they have to be held correctly. Yeah. So I came to a point where um, through a lot of conversations with Pastor Stephen and church leadership, I just I, I knew that I had a certain my, – my journey wasn't going to continue along elevation worship the way like Chris, who's my best friend, is. So I was seeing him live out a dream that – I'd always thought I was going to be able to live at or be at the center of. Yeah. In the meantime, Pastor Stephen was like, no, I think you're a great, you're a good worship leader, but I think you can be a great leader. Mm -hmm. So this is where you need to focus your heart and your energy. And so that was one of those moments where, oh gosh, I thought I was building this, mm -hmm. but maybe God is actually redirecting me over here. And can I take a back seat that's different than what I always thought? So I, Another um, passage in scripture that has meant a lot to me has been when David wanted to build the temple. Mm. And that was his dream. And why wouldn't God allow David to build a temple? And so even the prophet Nathan says, yeah, do it. God's with you. But then the Lord speaks to Nathan, the prophet, and says, tell David it's not for him to do. It's for his son Solomon. And so that was a scripture that meant a lot to me at the time of, okay, um, Maybe instead of me being at the center of this thing that I thought God wanted me to do, 
maybe I need to number one realize that God's the center of this dream. Yeah. And I've got a I'm here to help equip other people to do the thing that I wanted to do. And that was a hard process for me to walk through. Um, so I was I spent several years having to learn how to submit the thing I'd worked towards and dreamed about my whole life and say, okay, it's not going to play out the way I thought. Yeah. But the kindness of God in that was realizing that fulfillment isn't in that anyway. Mm. And so when I was able to let it go and accept life the way God had um, led me into it and orchestrated, I began to see that there's so much joy when you finally release control yeah. and rest in who God's made us, like made me to be and, and what he's wanting to do in my life now. Um, so yeah, I, th- I would say that that shift in my life was a big piece of it. Mm. Um, I mean, I could, I could tell several different stories, but I'd love to even hear from y'all how y'all have had to wrestle with, you know, similar situations. Yeah, for sure. I would say for me, like I've always grown up doing music like with my dad and singing in church and stuff. And even when like people would meet me or like my friends would introduce me to someone, it'd always be like, hey, this is Chloe. And like she sings. And I've had, God has had to really humble me and make me really just look in the mirror and be like, who would I be if I didn't sing? Like, who would I be if I didn't lead worship or if I didn't write music or if I didn't play guitar, which I'm not great at, but like, who would Chloe be without that? And so it's almost like what you're talking about. Like, this is something you've dreamed for forever. And like, it's such a blessing getting to lead worship here. I love it so much. But then I also have to like remind myself, what if God took this away? Like, what would I do how would I serve his kingdom and still build it and love that because I mean honestly like worship is something that I enjoy so much and I have to remind myself like you're not your gift like God could take this away at any time and you have to trust him and be okay with that so that's something that I've wrestled with lately of just like who are you without all that stuff well and you wrestle with the questions like would people still treat me the same yeah, right. for sure. They Would they love still me? love me or think that I'm good at whatever? Like, I really struggle with affirmation and wanting that. And I think that's something, like, every human wants. But really, like, not having to need that and letting God be the one to, like, say, you're enough, even without you singing or doing all these things. So that's something that I've had to, like, every day just be like, you are not this. You are a child of God. That's so, so powerful too because there was that one transition of when I realized I wasn't going to like be part of Elevation Worship, so to speak, anymore. But I still led worship for several years after that. But it was around when I was 40 when I stepped away from leading worship, which wasn't a planned shift. It was, I'm just not going to lead worship for a couple months so I can help encourage other campuses. And I think when I stepped away from that, I started asking those same questions like, who am I if I'm not leading worship? Yeah. Like, does God, can God still use me if I don't do this? Does, am I still as valuable to God's kingdom? And I realized I'd built up all these prerequisites for things that I needed to bring to the table for God to love me or use me. And that was completely taking away from the power of the grace of God that he loved me without any of that stuff. Yeah. And, and so that was a huge turning point for me of having to tear apart all these false selves and false identities. So God could build it back up again. And I remember about six months into that process, when I hadn't led worship 
for, for six months, I went to one of our campuses. It was our uh, Rock Hill campus at the time. And I walk in the door and these two volunteers said, hey, are you new here today? Are you a VIP? And wow. there was something in me that was just like, no, I'm not a VIP. I'm the worst. Like that, that was like, they don't know who I am. And yeah. I hate even admitting that because I would have never thought that was in me. But it surfaced in that moment. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, man, I've got a lot more soul work I need to do yeah. because I didn't realize I wanted people's affirmation as much as I did. And so I think the gift in this process, and I don't think God is asking everybody to give up the thing that they're good at. Like um, everyone's on your own journey. I do think God is calling all of us to surrender and to be open-handed with what he wants to do and what he wants us to lay down in different seasons. But there's so much beauty in finding out when you trust God with it and you lay it down that his love for you remains. And there's there's a peace that comes in surrender and trust too. For sure. And also trusting that, you know, God loves me and has my best interests at heart and he's never going to withhold a good thing for me. I think sometimes you've mentioned to the staff and just like in conversation and um, in your message earlier to us and everyone here about like that good thing can be the very thing that destroys you. So sometimes I think, you know, like I have these big dreams and aspirations and whatever, but also like what if God's not allowing me to do those things because he knows that it would really like it would ruin like what good is there. Like it would destroy me. So I've had to really surrender and just be like, okay, God, like I'm not you. Like you said in the driver's seat, like I can't be in the driver's seat and I have a need for control. Like I'm a planner. I like to know what's next. And so God's really had to be like, girl, just chill. I got you. It's going to be good. So that's so good. I think I shared it in my podcast with Joel, but I love, I just listened to a podcast recently with uh, Rick Warren you know, who's pastored Saddleback for 40 plus years, right? And wrote the best-selling book of all time, pretty much outside of the Bible, which is Purpose Driven Life. And then he wrote the Purpose Driven Church and all those type of things. And he said for, he said he said the same prayer every Saturday night uh, on his way to church for the last 40 years. And it was, God, t- today I give you my resignation. And said, and what he was saying in this moment was like, if you want to call me to something even more difficult tomorrow i'm i'm in and so like he's in the middle of he's in the middle of a transition like he's actually transitioning out of being the lead pastor at saddleback church which it's it's crazy how we're like seeing a lot of this now but he said like what god has for me next is going to be even more difficult and so i start thinking about that too like what's at the end of the dream you know like, what's at the end of all of this stuff that most of us are chasing? At the end of the day, you know, I, I love this statement because it's something to remind me. Like, when we came to Jesus, we came to Jesus with multiple yeses, not just one. I think sometimes people are like, okay, well, I said yes. You know, I said yes to serving. I said yes to going to just church thing. You know what I mean? But, like, I think saying yes to Jesus is a daily, like, can I keep saying yes? Because sometimes when we get to the thing that we thought that we were supposed to be at, he was like, okay, that was just like testing waters. I have a harder yes for you yet. And that, honestly, that scares me because it's like this was probably the hardest thing we've ever had to do was start a church. But it's like it's scary to be like, oh, but what if that wasn't like the ultimate yes God had for me? Like, that's a that's that's kind of freaky you know you were talking about like just the idea of 
you know, what p- people loving you for your gift. And, and that's why I always tell people like, that's why I think God sometimes gives you a spouse and kids because <laughs> to humble you. Yes. Cause, and it's the thing that I love about my family is they don't love me for my gift because they don't like, I don't go home to my kids and they're like, dad, how many people were at church today? Or how many, you know, how much money was in the offering or how much this, or man, they're just like, Hey, are we going to eat out today? <laughs> are we, yeah. What are we doing today? You know? And like, I think those are those gentle reminders by God that I, I'm not the sum of my sermon on a Sunday. I'm not, you know, the sum of the title that I have in the church. And I think those are some of those things that God continues to break down in our lives too. that, that desperate need for crowds or people to love what we can do. Right. And I also think that's what creeps into Like if you're not a stage person, there can also be that temptation almost on the reverse side to be like, well, God hasn't called me to ministry or God hasn't called me to, to do, but like it takes just as big of a yes to do anything else to build the kingdom as it does, you know, singing or whatever. So I think that all of us are in this process. I and mean, I'd love to hear from some of you guys too. Like Doug, I, I mean, I don't know, you know, what you feel comfortable sharing today, but I texted you yesterday and just asked you to kind of like be a little bit vulnerable today and kind of share a little bit of, some of those broken moments for you that God's had to kind of like, all right, we're going to tear this down and rebuild. Um, first off of what you said earlier today, I thought was very good. You said surround yourself with people who are for you and love you, but they're not impressed by you. I was like, dang, because we, you know, as much as we try to pretend to be humble, we do love a good attaboy, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh man, I'm just here to serve. Hey, you're really good. Oh, thanks. I quit it, you know, type of thing. (laughs) But I'll be here next week, so tell me again or whatever. (laughs) No, yeah, man, just the the wrestling of like working through grief. And I don't know if if many of you guys know, but uh, three years ago, I went through a divorce while I was in ministry, and. I've I've kind of been overwhelmed this morning even just through our worship and what both of you have said just with grace. And uh, I'm not a big crier, but I've cried a lot today. And it's just been it, honestly so peaceful, just like that line from Back to Life, like when, when something says I'm guilty, I'll point to the price you paid. When something says I'm not worthy, I'll point to that empty grave or I probably filled them up because that's what worship leaders do. I think that was do. right. But um, when I went through that... Um, you talk about having to submit everything. You know, I remember going into my pastor's office whenever everything was going down, and I was like, I get it. You got you to gotta let me go, you know, and I'll go work somewhere else. My degree's in marketing. Like, I'll bounce back. You know, I'll go do something else. And, man, they were so, like, unnecessarily graceful through that whole process. And the more I opened up about what I was going through and, like, some of the things that caused my divorce – the more grace I received and it made me like through, and I'm still becoming, there's still triggers. There's still, you know, waves, like you said. And I've kind of got to this place where like, if my talking about it or if my brokenness can 
help even just one person through theirs, then it was worth it. And it's, I don't want anyone to go through it. And I hate that I went through it, but like God doesn't waste anything. And, um, the good stuff, the bad stuff, you know, all of that. And somehow, uh, through a series of fortunate events, it didn't, you know, landed me here in like serving in a different way, you know, serving on the front, but in the back and through storytelling in different ways that are, uh, ways that I wasn't serving before. So it's, it's been a breath of fresh air to not be the Andy, you know, I, I, there's weeks where I'm not even on stage and some people are like, I never get on stage. I'm like, I don't have to be on stage this week. Like, how cool is that? Uh, because we have such a great team, but still people here know that I'm part of the worship ministry. And I was even thinking one of my pastors in college, he said, your why should never change. The what could change. But the why should never change. I was like, I don't even know what that means. What are you talking about? And he walked me through, like, the why we do. You know, even your your thing this afternoon, uh, this morning, the very first thing was, am I a follower of Christ? Like, that's it. Everything else is to serve that. And I was like, man, what if I, like, lost my voice completely? Would I still have value here? Just kind of what Chloe was saying. And the easy Sunday school answer is, yeah. Yeah, people would be like, oh, we're so glad you're here. You're so talented with whatever else you might be talented with. Um, but it's so hard to wrestle the flesh like through, cause some of us have obvious giftings. You know, I think it's pretty safe to say you're walking in your calling, you know, and even Wade, you're walking in your calling and these guys, but whenever that becomes, you said this morning, we're, our gift was supposed to be submissive to God, but God never said he would submit to our gift. And just this idea of like daily or weekly or yearly, however, I would be interested to hear from you just some of the practical things that you went through when you got to that point where you're like, hey, it's, I've made this way too much about myself. And because you were talking about the process and even six months, and I'm a very practical person. And so I'm like, man, all right, give me some nuggets. Like when I get there, okay, go back here. Or what, what seemed to work for you in that as a, Celebrity worship leader. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I would say I shared this earlier with y'all, but one of the things that Pastor Steven said to us that impacted me so much was mature ministry is being more excited about what God does through others and what he does through yourself. So I have found that if I can refocus my attention away from myself and onto helping someone else win, that that is one of the quickest ways an antidote to get rid of entitlement in my heart. And even if you don't always feel it in the moment, I think a lot of times obedience, you're like, if you act in obedience in a way that's Christ honoring, your heart will end up catching up. And so I just decided, okay, Do I, am I called to this place? Am I called to serve this mission here? And the answer to that was yes. And then I have to say, okay, well, ultimately every decision that comes down from leadership has to be filtered through God. And so do I really trust that promotion is in the hands of the Lord, that my days are in the hands of the Lord? And if I do, then I have to submit, okay, well, then God is in this process right now. So what is he trying to teach me? And so I committed that I wasn't going to run when things were hard. I wasn't going to go chase something that played to my ego somewhere else. I was going to try to submit to the process and walk it out. 
and try to help other people win, even if it was winning at the thing that I wanted to do. And was that easy all the time? No. Um, but man, it was the best, one of the best decisions I made because God transformed my heart through that. And I ended up loving to see someone like a John Sal who came through our 2K2, our apprenticeship program and seeing him up there doing the thing that I had once been doing that actually ended up giving me life. And so I think pushing through the feelings that don't feel very holy and realizing, um, I didn't need to set the expectation of perfection with how I felt either. If I was just showing up and staying faithful, even when I didn't feel the thing that I wanted to feel one day, I knew God eventually let my heart catch up and the Holy Spirit would change me. And so I think just, I, uh, I talk about, um, like different disciplines to put into practice in your life. So there's the discipline of directing your applause towards other people. Mm-hmm. And so celebrating them publicly, privately, um, there's the discipline of directing um, your awareness and like just trying to say, okay, let me just get the focus off of me. Where are other places God is working that I can like really invest in? Um, and then there's the discipline of directing my anticipation of saying, okay, I love Psalm 103 too, um, where it says, man, never forget the good things the Lord does for me. It doesn't say did for me. It doesn't mean my best days are in the past. It means he's always acting like for my good and for his glory. So can I go into each day anticipating God's goodness and say, okay, I'm going to be on the lookout for how the Holy spirit is, is working and I'm going to have gratitude towards it. I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to look for opportunities to do things that maybe make me uncomfortable, but it might be God working out something new in me. And so it was just this discipline of, of reorienting my focus and reorienting my activity uh, away from my selfish needs and towards um, other people. Mm. That's so good. You know, I, I think um, there is such a temptation, and, it, and it's weird because I think there is even a, a dysfunction with people that we don't realize how much we play into not helping other people put the focus in the right area, right? Like I love what you said earlier about giving specific encouragement and let it be the things that are unseen. Because if we're always celebrating the scene, then I think that people think, oh, well, that's where my value is, is in the things that people see me do. And the problem is, is that when other people build up your platform, um, the the same hammers that are in their hands, when that platform falls, will be the ones they crucify you with. (laughs) You know, because that's what I always tell people is like when you follow the cheers of the crowd, the crowd will also cheer you all the way to your death. And and I think that's what some people live by. They live for the applause. They live for the man. You're you're cheering me on. And there's such a there's a peace that comes with being able to say the platform that I am building is one that I'm trying to put other people on. And so the thing that I'm really passionate about is telling people like, hey, I want you to stand on my shoulders. That everybody's ceiling should be the next generation's floor. Um, that I want them to go further faster. And that's why even last night I said, Hey, how do we speak to, um, the 20 year old that, man, if I could go back and tell my 20 year old something, you know, what could I tell myself? You know, I may not listen, but what are the three things that if I'd listened to myself that how would I be different today? 
you know, and, and I think that's important, you know, for if you're in the room and you're at that place. And I think what's cool too about our story on the flip side of that is, you know, I, I was saying that I didn't go on this journey to become completely healthy until my late thirties, almost 40. And so that's also encouragement to anybody out there. That's like, man, I've just walked through too much. Like I, it's too late for me to start doing these things. All of that is pride. All of that is pride. Um, you can start today to say, Hey, like I'm going to rearrange or realign my heart with the things of God so that things will, will change tomorrow. But even more so for you younger generation to say like, Hey, I want, I don't want to be 40 and look at my life and go, wow, I've really tried to perform my way into love and affection and affirmation. Cause that's a, that's a broken place to be. Um, so I, I think one of the things you shared, maybe it was last night that I thought was super powerful. And I don't know if you want to speak to even these moments where you were saying like, Hey, like I was looking at the fruit of the work that I put in on sitting on my walls and I found myself wanting, you know, found myself not fulfilled. Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, this even goes back to what you were saying of like a practical thing to help. And I had to realize I'd gotten to a point in ministry and it wasn't like, I mean, sometimes we try to oversimplify like this season was bad. This season was good. I feel like we're always a mix of both. And there's always things in my heart that like are yearning for God and things in my heart that are kind of rebelling against God. And it's which you give the loudest voice to and which you um, follow that that's important. But I'd gotten into a season where I had put so much of my, um, well, I'll say it this way. I had achieved so many of the things I wanted to achieve and seen so many of my dreams, even the new dreams that had come up after letting go of some old dreams, they had all come to pass. And I still felt this like emptiness, restlessness of, oh, there's got to be more than this. And I've talked about abundant life in Christ. I preached it, but right now I don't feel it. And so what does that mean? And what it did was it showed me that I just, I wasn't going on a journey towards a healthy soul like you're talking about. And I wasn't prioritizing above all else, getting my heart fully rested and rooted in the love of Jesus on a daily basis. And I think when our heart and our lives are designed to get that, that strength, that power, that nourishment from the Lord, and in the same way, like if you don't eat for several days, you're going to feel it. Somehow we have tricked ourselves into thinking in American Christianity that if you just show up at church and you just kind of have a token Bible study every now and then, that that's all you need. Right. And you need way more than that as a, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. We need to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit on a daily basis and receive his grace and receive his love. And I was not prioritizing that in my life. Mm. And so I think I started making very small changes, just 10 minutes of silence a day, 15 minutes of silence a day and letting the Holy spirit illuminate these areas in my heart, mm. which took away the stress and the expectation that I had to change myself. And it just let me open my heart to say, God, you change me mm. and I'm just going to keep bringing this to you. 
And I felt like God began to speak more clearly. He began to give me a different kind of peace. But it was like these little by little changes that took place over time to root myself in some disciplines that I think is how God manifests his grace to us in our lives. That's so good. I I like to say this statement that um, sometimes we tend to move uh, far from the things we become fond of. You know, like you think about usually the people you are the closest to are the people you treat the the worst Mm. um, because we become so fond of them. And so because you, it's, it's kind of this situation where you take them for granted uh, because they're supposed to put up with you. They're supposed to, you know, it's almost like we live our lives in these bubbles where it's like, okay, when I leave the house, I have to put on a different face um, instead of realizing like that. And, but, and I say that to say like, that is in the same correlation with God. Like the thing that I see that I struggle with most as a pastor is the people who have been in church the longest. Because those are the people that usually walk into the doors and they are just, they're the spiritual um, dry people where it's like, hey, I'm going to be here every week. I may even tithe, but like, I don't read my Bible. I don't pray. Uh, I'm not trying to grow spiritually. Um, we spend our lives like we've, we've done the salvation thing. We've checked that box and I come to church, but now my life is spent trying to pay bills and raise my kids, get my 401k, do all those things. And it's such a, cause I mean, I'm sure you see it even on teams too. Like, I think one of the things we talked about too is like the people who just come on to a team sometimes are the people who are like most excited about what's happening until they meet the person that's been on the team for two years. And they're just like, man, why are you excited? <laughs> like, why, you know, just, just wait. wait. Till you, yeah. Just wait till you've been here a while, you know? And so it's like, how do I not, just become fond with Jesus and fond of my spiritual walk or the people that God has placed around me. Uh, Cause we miss these incredible opportunities for the spirit to work in our lives. when we do that. Uh, and a lot of it is because we are, we are honestly too busy. We are too busy for the spirit of God to move in our lives. We're too busy for to allow God to place people in our lives to speak into our lives, and we've kind of done this to ourselves. Um, so I don't know if any of you other guys want to speak to that um, kind of your journey of like, hey, how can you like? Because it's it is crazy. I remember when I first got into ministry, I thought, I mean, I remember my first full time position as a youth pastor. I thought, man, what do people in ministry do all day? Like, I know what I'll probably do. I'll probably read my Bible for the first four hours of the day then I'll like probably pray for an hour or something. I'll probably do something like that. And then it was like three years later, I'm like, I don't know the last time I read my Bible for me. I don't know the last time I like just prayed to God because not for like, God, need, we need money for the youth ministry. Yeah. God, I'd pray for whatever for the situation. And it is so dangerous because I had made ministry the idol. So I don't know if anybody else, Wants to speak to I that. think it was Wade, maybe it was you, I can't remember, but I've heard this the past couple of days, just like not being so focused on doing things for God, but focusing on being with God. And that just really kind of wrecked my heart and convicted me because I'm always like, oh, like I'm doing all these things. Like I get to be an intern at my church and like lead worship and do all these fun things and they're for God. But like, when do I stop and just say, hey God, like 
thank you for all of this or really prioritizing that time because the same for me like I'm at church all day but am I really making time to be alone in solitude with him because I I get charged when I'm around people like that's like my recharge for me I love people but I think sometimes I hurt myself because I'm not just taking that time or like you encouraged us this past weekend, taking 10 minutes as a challenge to just sit in silence. And I'm really bad at that. (laughs) I'm really bad at that. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Just to kind of bounce off what you were just saying about, you know, we can be so busy uh, with things and I found myself in this place where I can be so busy doing things for God, you know, here at the church uh, whenever working on staff or anything like that, that I'll, I would find myself hiding from that when I'd go home, you know, cause I had a, having a full-time job before serving in the church and, and working full-time in the, in the church, you know, when I punched out at work and I went home, I didn't think about work. You know, it was like, I'm done with it until I'm there again tomorrow. And I could find myself doing that with serving God of like, you know, I'm leaving the office today going home. I'm not, I'm not having, you know, this wasn't what I was thinking, but it was just what I noticed that I was doing is like, I'm, I don't want to listen to worship music on the way home. I've been doing that all day. I don't, I don't want to spend time reading. I've been kind of doing that all day, you know? And so it's just kind of, I would start to hide from the things because I was so busy, uh, doing rather than spending time in the presence. Um, and you know, I've been on this journey where I've started to even question, uh, what am I busy with? Like, even in the things that I'm doing for God, what am I busy with? Uh, I was reading this scripture uh, in 1 Corinthians that kind of stuck out to me. And and, uh, I will preface this, since we're on this podcast, I'll preface this with, these are things I've been learning from a book I've been reading, so I don't want to like whatever that word is where you take what you learn and claim it as your own. Uh, it's not mine. Uh, he's but, saying that he came up with this. That's what he's saying. No, I did not come up with this. <laughs> All original ideas. Uh, yes. But I've been reading uh, uh, Jeremy Riddle, The Reset. And uh, there was this chapter, this whole my favorite chapter of the book, that talks about purity and worship and how that the, the purity of the worship the, is, is his presence. And um, that's where the power is. Like anything that we bring to it, that's not where the power is. It's his presence that is the power. Uh, now I'm grateful in grace to be that God has chosen to include me, you know, and my creativity that he's been, been uh, willing to allow me to, to be a part of it. Yeah. Uh, but I never want to find any of the power from anything that I did. Mm. Uh, but I want the power to be from his presence. And uh, this scripture that popped up, I was reading it uh, one day, and I'd read it many times, never really thought about it, uh, but it kind of stuck out to me um, along with reading uh, Jeremy Riddle's book. Uh, it's 1 Corinthians 3, and uh, says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. Uh, The builder will be saved, but like someone barely scrapping or scraping through a wall of flames. 
Um, and I was thinking about that scripture kind of in the context of creativity and thinking about Jesus and the foundation of the gospel and the foundation of, of church. Um, and I'm, I think through like the early church, uh, even some of the things we've talked about in the podcast already of, you know, think back, what if I was in that time frame? Like there's no PA system. There's no, you know, I don't picture, uh, Jesus telling one of the guys, grab your guitar and, and lead these 5,000 people <laughs> uh, in this worship song before yeah. I, I feed them, you know. Yeah. Uh, but they just they just sang. They just had moments where they sang uh, their praises and, and different things, just being together. Um, and so kind of picturing that, I'm like, okay. And I think you even touched on this a little bit, Chloe, of how, you know, what if what if my identity of being a worship leader or or singing was was like, not what I did anymore. Doug, you mentioned, what if my voice just went away? Mm. Um, and I've been on this journey of like, you know, I've had this talent that I've been able to use and been super grateful to use it. But like, what if, what if there's a gift beyond any talent? Like what gift do I have that God is, is building and using to, to serve the church outside of, of any kind of talent, but just the gift that he has given me. Uh, and I've been thinking about that and with creativity and being so super busy on doing and, and creating all these things. Um, and I think about the early church and how things have formed um, throughout history um, with the way that church looks and it, different in different cultures and different things like that. And just thought about, you know, what do I, what have I put my hands to and been so busy with? that is the materials that's, that's going to be, uh, solid and, and is actually building on the church. Mm. And then what's like ready to just burn away. Uh, what's been me, you know, what's been me and what's been God. That's so good. Um, and so those are just kind of journeys that I've been on and thinking through of like, you know, there is something so much bigger than, than anything that we've gift been gifted with or even dreamed yeah. of doing. Yeah. Um, and you know, so that was kind of, some things I wanted to bounce off of. Oh, that's really so, good. I can relate to that, Andy. And uh, just because most of you guys in here probably know my story, uh, but anyone who doesn't, I served on the worship band for over nine years, and that is all I knew, right? I never, I had this preconceived idea of like, man, I'm Andy's ride or die. You know, number two, you know, man, what, what do you need? You know, just wor- all things worship. Um, but for me personally, one of the biggest, like, would you really serve any, like I would say, man, I'll, I'll do anything. I'll serve anywhere. You just tell me, but being approached with student ministry, you know, it's like what I thought would be the easiest. Yes. Was actually the hardest. Yes. Um, because you know, we live, some of us lived in worship leader land. Hey, you know, exactly when elevations dropping their new album. They do, you know, whoever it is, Bethel, like you're listening to the song that just came out. I don't have a clue about youth ministry land, right? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. Um, so it was a real it's a different planet, check. bro. Yeah, that's <laughs> y'all pray a for stinky me. Planet. Uh, it's just but I have to deny. I remember specifically asking in the interview process of well, what does this mean about worship? And like man, why did I, why did I ask that question? You know, if it's truly, it doesn't like I'll serve, I'll serve anywhere. And, you know, I go from serving three or four times 
boom, 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 boom to like, hey, you're on once or twice a month and like kind of like wades. You're like, that is, mm, are you really okay with that, Tyler? You know, um, but it's been, it's been fun. It's been interesting. And it's like something sound like it could be so easy. Uh, but then once you do say yes and God starts pulling these these things out of you, it's like, man, where were my motives really, you know? Mm. That's good. Talk to us a little bit about, um, Wade, uh, about the journey you talked about in 2020, um, where you were kind of like, tell us about that summer. You know, obviously it was the COVID summer, but you shared it last night. I thought it was super powerful and just kind of how it redirected and realigned your heart with some things. Yeah. I mean, I, summer, like June of 2020, we were all a couple months into quarantine and lockdown. I don't think anybody was in a great place then, but our family, it also, my youngest daughter has cystic fibrosis. So we had this extra level of kind of fear and anxiety around her getting sick and, then we're all trying to figure out what does church look like in this season. And, um, I just wasn't in a good place in that summer. And it's kind of, it goes along with what I was saying when I was looking on my walls and seeing all this stuff that I just, I didn't feel, uh, overall healthy spiritually, physically, emotionally, just felt kind of depressed and burned out. And, um, I think that's where I was praying and I was asking the Lord, like, God, I need to feel something. I need you to change my heart. And I felt him really impressed upon me. Well, you're not creating the space for me to change you because you're not in healthy rhythms in any area of your life. And so that's what started me on the journey. What's funny is our word for that year, which every year we would pick a word for our family was wholeness. And I had no idea that like the kind of wholeness God was going to bring to our family. So it started like really, really small, um, which if I would just give any advice to anybody, don't feel like you have to make these huge drastic changes all at once yeah. because it's so hard to do that and sustain it. And then you feel defeat and then you kind of abandon all of it. So it started for me like I'm going to do this app, which I highly recommend everybody do called Lectio 365 which is a contemplative prayer app. It's like 10 minutes a day. I started doing that every day. A little bit of silence after that. I cut back on my television, started reading more, started working out more. I started eating a bit better. How many books did you say you read in 2020? It was like two. I think two books in 2020 that I wasn't made to read, that yeah. I just read on my own. And then my wife and I decided in 2021 to not watch TV Sunday night through Wednesday night. And then the weekends we would, cause we would, you know, watch whatever. Mm. And we would just either read or talk at night. And so I ended up reading about 30 books in 2021, That's awesome. which is not like, I'm always feel weird saying that kind of stuff. Cause I'm not trying to like brag or like flaunt that. Right. It was more of, we all have way more time than we think we yep. do. And so you might say, well, I wish I could read more. I wish I could do this more. I wish I could get up and like spend time with God. Well, then reverse engineer your life. Say, okay, if I, if that's important to me, then what do I need to let go of to do the more important thing? Mm. <clears throat> so do I need to go to bed earlier? Do I need to watch less TV? Do I need to, I mean, the thing that helped me get up early in the morning was put my phone in my bathroom. Mm. So when the alarm went up, I had to get out of bed. I don't know why it took me so long to figure that out. 
but I could never win the battle with the snooze button until I just put the phone in another room. So sometimes there's small incremental changes that actually unlock a huge uh, improvement in your life. Yeah. And so I found that when I started getting healthier and more disciplined in each area of my life, it was contagious. I think discipline's contagious and it spreads into every area of your life. Yeah. And so started waking up a little bit earlier to spend time with God. I started experimenting with not just prayer in the mornings, but uh, a guy named Pete Scazzera who wrote a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Available in our bookstore, by the way. Yes. it's Everyone should read that book. Mm-hmm. He recommends, like, in the same way that Jesus did, and um, you look at Psalm, David says, seven times a day I pray to you. Daniel prayed three times a day. Jesus and the Jews in his time probably prayed twice a day, mm-hmm. maybe three times a day. And he recommends like fixed prayer throughout your day. Mm-hmm. And so our, my main time of prayer would be in the morning, but at lunch I would do one to five minutes of either silence or the Lord's prayer or Psalm 23 or just something to reorient my heart mm-hmm. back to God's presence. And then there's a prayer you can do at night called the examine where you like look back at your day and just try to figure out how do I start and end my days? How do I infuse my days with God's presence or my awareness of it? And it's just a lot of little small things that started to stack up. And I'm mm. still like growing and learning. I yeah. mean, just the other day, my mind was like prayer was a battle. I was falling asleep. Nothing like at the end of it, I was like, God, I didn't bring anything to the table today. Mm. And I felt like the Lord was like, you didn't, you brought yourself. And that's all I, I asked yeah. for. And so I think I'm learning to even have give grace to myself through mm. this. And just, I think when you constantly show up, that is is believing that God is going to change you under the surface even when you don't see the evidence of it yeah. all the time. And God does honor those who seek him. Um, the Bible says that over and over and over yeah. again. And that's in this season of my life what I want to do. That's so good. Um, two books, I think. We, we have both of them in the bookstore for those who are listening in, in the audience. Um, Atomic Habits and um, Emotionally Spir- Spiritual Emotionally spiritual, emotionally healthy spirit. That that title always gets me, y'all. Uh, but both, you know, you talked about the phone thing. Like uh, that book, Atomic Habits, talks about the habits that lead to the habits. Right? It's almost like this compound effect. And sometimes what we're trying to do, we're trying to establish a discipline, but we ha- it's the disciplines that lead to the discipline. So, in other words, the thing I even try to tell my my daughter is like, "Hey, be ready for the next day, the day before." That way, like your time is more efficient in the mornings and you have that time. Like I'm not in a hurry or rush. Most people are like rushing in the morning because they're trying to pick out their outfit. They're trying to like get breakfast. They're trying to like, I have everything ready to go the night before. So that way, when I get up, I just go right into my disciplines for the morning before I go out the door. But that started with like, I I love what you said. Start with one thing. I even love what you said last night about like, Hey, I mean, he, he said he wasn't a morning person. You were going to bed like at midnight every night. Uh, I, lo- I love your phrase. I ate like a child, <laughs> you know, like uh, when I think about, ch- I think about my son, he eats like a child, chicken nuggets. He is a child. Yes. And he eats like one, but, um, never met a donut. I didn't like, <laughs> I'm still that way, but I just try to like, you know, I have intentional times when I eat those donuts that I, I love so much, but, um, I do think that so many of us use excuses as to I, I always think that there are people who already define who they are without saying, is there a version of myself that God is trying to pull out of me? 
that I'm not there yet, but what step can I take today? And like, what's two or three things, those small little practical steps? I mean, I know you've already mentioned a few, but like, if you're trying to encourage somebody today, um, in, in their walk with Christ and them trying to establish some some healthy spiritual rhythms, what are those one or two simple things you say, Hey, start here. Yeah. And, and even before I say that, I think it's important that each of us have different personalities. We're in different stages of life. So for me, I might have to get up at a certain time to do what's important to me because my kids are going to get up at a certain time, but you're in a different stage and there shouldn't be any kind of shame or condemnation. If you're, Rhythms don't look like my rhythms. Right. Um, we all have different strengths, different weaknesses. So I think that's where the Holy Spirit has to give you discernment. Um, but to me, if I had to say start one place, and this is more the overarching thing I said it before, but like reverse engineer, like think about where you want to be in a year um, and then try to figure out and write it down. What are the habits that would take? What are the changes that would take in my daily schedule mm. to accommodate that and to create space for that? But beyond that, I would say I would highly, highly recommend having some discipline in the morning where you are in prayer in God's word before you ever touch your cell phone. Mm. Yeah. That I would if I could just say one thing, it'd be that. Because yep. I found that I was starting my day and the tone of my day, the tone of my heart, my anxiety level was based on the texts I'd received, yep. the emails I'd see, the news I'd read. And so I try not to touch my phone for a couple of hours after I wake up in the morning, except for the prayer app that I do. Um, that has helped me dramatically, mm. at least center my heart on God's word and his presence first. Um, so put some type of restriction on what you are on your phone time, but kind of orient what's the most important focus to start your day off with yeah. and orient your heart there. I would also say, so that's the beginning of your day. I would say, look at the end of your day and say, what are the last thoughts and meditations of your heart before you go to bed mm. and have a, have a wind down routine of when you stop TV um, what are you going to read, whether it's God's word, what kind of conversations are you going to have and what are going to be those final thoughts you have before you go to sleep? Cause I think how you start and how you end your day are the two most important keys to success. Yes. I think for your rhythms. Yes. Um, I would start there. That's so good. So good. I'd say one more thing. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, God took me on a real journey over the last year too on just diving into the Lord's prayer. And I think I used to always think of the Lord's Prayer of like, oh, that's just a little example. Jesus taught us to pray. I actually think Jesus intended us to pray the Lord's Prayer yes. like every yep. day. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it gives us a guide and a model to how to pray. But I found different ways to pray that, to let it guide different portions of my prayer life. But even if you just committed to every morning or at lunch, just praying the Lord's Prayer, because what you find in the Lord's Prayer is it is a summary of what we believe in the life that we are living as followers of Christ. Yep. So you're not just praying, you're reminding your heart of what's important and what your value system is. Mm -hmm. It's not give me my daily bread, it's give us our daily bread. So it takes your focus off of just me and it orients it around other people. So there's so much power in that. Mm -hmm. And so that's where sometimes in our type of church, we think traditions are bad. Right. 
but there's so much power in like, like getting certain truths so deep and anchored in your heart. And so I think that's another small thing that I saw a lot of fruit from in my life too. That's cool. That you said that because in January I actually taught, I actually preached a sermon just on the Lord's prayer. Yeah. And broke it down and talked about how like the focus of each phrase and how it fits in our, in our kingdom walk. So that's so powerful. I totally agree with that. Um, I, I think there is such a, I talked about this last week, how um, our disciplines will lead to a desire and desire leads to delight. And obviously that is true in any aspect of your life. You know, if we sow to the flesh, um, whatever disciplines we have, we're going to have a desire to keep doing those things. Yeah. Um, I said, but the only problem is, is there's a fourth step after delight when it comes to sowing to our flesh and it's destruction or disappointment, mm-hmm. you know, but when we sow to the things of the spirit, we, all of a sudden we desire it. And then we also take delight in it. Yeah. And I think like, we, we, and the reason why I say that is because you said that, Sometimes we look at disciplines or the traditions that we have heard of or whatever. We look at it as legalism. We always hear that word. That's legalistic. Well, the problem is, is that we didn't desire it before. When you don't desire it, but people force it upon you, that is legalistic to say like, hey, you have to do this even if you don't enjoy it. That is legalistic. But there is there is such a peace and a joy when you find yourself going, I don't want to listen to that or watch that because like, man, I just it doesn't do anything for my soul. And I want to plug in somewhere else and do something different because now I'm finding such desire and delight and being in the presence of God and allowing him to change my thought process. I love what Dallas Willard says. He talks about the VIM model and it's V I M it's one. And it's exactly what Wade just said. Do I have a vision of who I'm becoming in Christ? Cause it starts with that. It starts with you identifying where does my life not reflect the life of Christ? And I've got to like wrestle through that and write that down. But the next letter is the biggest one. And that is intention. Like, do I have the intention to do something about this discrepancy? Do I have the intention to establish some disciplines to go on this journey to seek the Lord? I think that's where there's a disconnect. So all of us probably can sit here and go, well, I can tell you where my life don't line up. I can tell you. But like, do we intend on discipleship? Do we have an intention to say, okay, I'm going to put follow. I mean, that's kind of the series that we're in as a church right now is like, hey, am I dropping my nets? Because dropping my nets means rearranging my life to follow Christ. And it's a lifelong journey. It's not a thing that happens just tomorrow. Um, and then the M is the means. Like, do I have the the means in my life or the resources available to me to put into practice the intention to accomplish the vision? And those means are those spiritual disciplines. Like it's the, it is the life of Christ that he led here in the flesh to show us the perfect way to be human. Not that we can never be perfect humans, but he showed us the perfect way to be human. And so, you know, I think that would be one of the things that I would encourage everybody here today as well is, you know, everybody has to go on this journey to say, Hey, what is this vision that I have of myself and, and for myself and my relationship to Christ and my journey to become a disciple of Christ. And then I've got to like, figure out like, what is it? I love what you said about figure out. Cause it's actually in my sermon in a couple of weeks where I'm going to talk about, Hey, you have to discover what this looks like in your current season. That's why I always tell single people like, bro, 
this is the perfect time in your life to like just dive all in to being molded by Jesus because you don't have all of the other responsibilities or weight of, hey, I've got to turn my focus to my spouse or my kids or whatever. And the problem is, is that we just, we don't take those years of our life seriously enough, you know, but you do, you figure out, okay. I, Cause I mean, I've got friends who have like three kids, you got, you got three kids that are all about to be in diapers and car seats. Like, bro, good luck. You know what I mean? Like, um, we're pray- we're praying for you. We'll, we will be your prayer time. You know what I mean? But it, it, it does, it's going to look different than Wade's, you know, routine or, or his, his, um, you know, his schedule, but it doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means like, I need to figure out what that looks like for my season of life now. But also know this is cool because I just had this conversation with Preston not too long ago. I was like, you realize this is a season though. Like your kids aren't always going to be in diapers and in car seats. And if I don't have a vision for like what our life looks like when they're 10, 11, 12, like what are those disciplines that we're growing in as we're moving forward? Because if not, they're 17, but you haven't changed who you were when they were five. And so now not only do you not have any spiritual disciplines or intention to, to be molded like Christ, but they don't either because you've kept the same rhythms throughout your life. There's nothing that's changed. And so I think that is such valuable advice to say like, Hey, I need to figure out in this season, what does it look like? But how do I adapt that in every other season? You guys have any other questions for Wade or anything you guys want to share? Any questions from the audience? We've got about five, 10 minutes. We can uh, throw some stuff at him. Don't have to, but if you have something, um, if you want to know his favorite Ninja Turtle, we can do that. But Leonardo. Uh, bro, me too. Oh, my gosh. There's no other right answer. That is true. He's smart, and he's awesome with a sword. So, yeah. That's cool. Um, well, let's do this. We'll always finish every episode with three keys to victory. And it is like maybe three things to apply to your life because we don't want people just to survive. We want them to have victory in their life. Of all the things that we said today, uh, give us one or two keys to victory um, for people to move forward in their life and not, not be a slave to make what we do or our purpose poisonous, but actually have this fulfillment and abundant life in Christ through our worship and through our lifestyle. I mean, I think it starts by having regular daily rhythms of prayer. And so I think prayer, silence, solitude, all that's kind of wrapped up in one. So I would, I would commit to finding at least a 10 minute time in the morning and a one to five minute time and sometime in the middle of the day to orient your heart on the presence of God Mm. and, and commit to that, that like, no matter what I'm going to do that every morning, every midday, and I would even say if you, it's even best if you do it at night too. Yep. And if you can commit to those three times and just open yourself up in silence and stillness and scripture, as I'll start with this, I didn't even mean that yeah. solitude com- comes out of, yeah. of yeah. you. Um, I would say that's you're positioning your heart to be filled by the Holy spirit, to be renewed to when your heart is out of alignment and you do have those bronze serpents for God to, to reveal it to you. Sometimes we aren't silent before God because we don't want to hear what he has to say. That's true. 
and we don't want to do what he is asking us to do. And so it just keeps your heart in a posture of surrender before the Lord every day. So that's that would so be good. my answer. I would say another key to victory is establish your own vim. Like what is your vision? What is your intention? And what are the means that, to accomplish that vision? And that's going to be something that hopefully like daily you're working through that. Like I, th- I think, again, we live in such a culture and society. Everybody wants their drive-through experience with God. Like, you know, can I, can I put my order in, pick it up, and be done with this? But what I hope that you hear from today is this is a lifelong journey. You know, hopefully 10 years from now, you're still learning about, oh, I need to shift this and change this and mold this. It's a, it's a constant, you know, I think one of the things, and we'll, we'll go through this as a church in several weeks. But one of the things I, I've taught our staff, we've been going through this teaching for like nine months now. And it's like, um, there are three key things in your life that you need to continue to grow as a follower of Christ. One, you need to have a reflective lifestyle. You need to be looking at that vision and saying, okay, where does my life not line up with the life Christ has called me to? I have to wrestle through that. I have to apply spiritual disciplines in my life in order for that pathway to be created for the spirit of God to speak to me. And I need a community of grace and truth to help work that out too. I have to be able to have somebody where I go, Hey, Andy, I was in my quiet time, man. Like God revealed this to me. I just need to confess to you, man. Like I, I I did this the other day. You know, I, I, I lied to somebody. I did this like, Hey man, would you pray for me that, I would be aware of that from now on. And, and I'm telling you, the things that bring us the most healing are the things that we avoid because the enemy thinks that, man, once that gets out, once you start being vulnerable with people, like then they're going to know the real you. And it's like, yeah, that's the point, you know, because, you know, when things come to the light, the enemy can't hold it against you anymore. And I think we are terrible about that. And, and, and here's, I mean, I'm going on a whole other tangent now, but, we could do a whole podcast on community because I think that even in church, small groups has become the thing that it's like, okay, for this nine weeks, I'm going to find a group of people to go and eat and do some kind of curriculum. And then I'll go about my merry way instead of going like, I love the people who have like, man, I've been with this same group of people for the last two years and we are walking out like real authentic situations. We're working through things. We're praying through things. Those are the people that you'll see start growing leaps and bounds, not just the people who check a box and join a small group, show up four out of the eight weeks and and then go like, oh, I'm in a small group. Like, I think that's, again, where we turn the the means into the end where it's like, hey, but I joined a small group and it didn't change my life instead of going, no, I joined a community of grace and truth and they're helping me walk out things in my life. So that's that's a key to victory, I would say, is is apply that VIM model and start working through those three key things in your life. And I promise you, you'll start, you'll start approaching this abundant life so much differently. Um, well, first of all, I want to thank everybody's time for today. I want to thank Generation Worship. Obviously, I want to thank Wade Joy. Can we give it up for all these guys on the couch today? I want to thank the audience. You guys are amazing. Um, want to remind you new episode, the first Tuesday of every single month. Uh, I'm pumped. You guys will be hearing this probably in May. Um, but, um, so yeah, you've already, so yeah, I'm not going to tell you what's to come because it's actually in the past. It's like being in the future. It's crazy. Like you're in the future right now. So 
we, what what's happening right now is going to happen later. <laughs> but anyways, um, just remind you, hey, follow Wade Joy on Instagram. Uh, encourage him. Follow him along his journey. He's doing some coaching with people, right? I know. I think Pastor Preston's jumping on that that coaching this summer, but um, he's doing some things to encourage other pastors, leaders, worship leaders, things like that. Be praying for his journey, uh, this new season of life. I, I know that was probably a super difficult decision to, after 15 years of being a part of something that you helped build, to say, hey, we're we're walking away to be obedient in this season to what God's called us to. So we definitely want to be praying for you guys. But I think that is at Wade Joy. Is it just at Wade Joy on Instagram? At Wade Joy. Joy with an E. Joy with an E. Okay, which just stands for excellence. But, um, but yeah. So do that. Obviously, those of you that are listening to the podcast, you can follow me at Pastor BGC on Instagram. You can follow us. Uh, go to MadeToWin.com. Uh, is it made to win.com or made to win podcast? It's made to win.com. I think uh, Preston's not in the room to help me know my own uh, website, but what's that? What is it? Lens made to win podcast. Thank you, Lindsay. There's Lindsay. See, that's why I got her by my side. She's like, that's, that's Tyler's wife. Yeah. Made to win podcast.com. But there you can like submit questions. Obviously let us know what, how the podcast has impacted you, but here we just like to say, Hey, you were made to win, but winning starts with him.